0: Hi, this is John Frigganese from Big Plans. You're listening to the Puck Fortland Podcast. Nailed it. First (laughs) take. (laughs) Till the morning light. get a little bit of both. Hello, hello. I hello. got a boat. Do I have? a mic at the right distance? Yeah. This is a great mic. Oh my god. Sounds good,
1: doesn't
0: it? Sounds great.
1: The room's pretty good. got a little bit of the padding. All right, I'm gonna try to do this introduction thing for okay. real. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is my the hardest part of my life is only is this. <sighs> Our guest tonight is John Frigonis. John is the founder of Frigonese Associates, a Portland-based premier land use planning firm, which provides innovative solutions and technical expertise to help shape the way communities and regions grow in concert with their vision of the future. Most importantly, John also is a bass player for Portland's blues, rock, and rhythm and blues musical group big plans and that's what I want to talk more about tonight. John, welcome to the Puck Fortland Podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a long time. I'm really
0: glad to see you again. It's good to be here. It's yeah. great to see you doing this. Yeah, this is exciting, right? It really is. I love it. It's like it's a radio station, but it's like your own thing and you can it's all your all your all the people listening want to listen. You know, it's really great.
1: Right. Yeah, you're not and it's not really like a, a five o'clock traffic hour radio right. show. <laughs> I think it should be great, too, I always think about, like, would I be able to do it every day, you know? Right. And, and uh, I think even the podcast world, you still could do a show every day. You and, could. And grow it into um, that same sort of
0: format where people well, still listen. Born Dane did that. You know, people that start on YouTube do that. Yeah. You don't have to do the weather when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Or, or traffic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, luckily, if it was radio, we'd say, okay, what's yeah. the traffic? <laughs> At least in Portland, I'm like, well, it's raining right it's raining or it's sunny. <laughs> and the traffic sucks <laughs>
1: yeah oh it does yeah it does oh man well tell us a little bit about what's going on with you it's been a while since i've seen you um you're still in, in the music game when we met it was a little bit more on the musical level right um we used to jam a little bit and play some music for fun but now you guys have this band big plans we're, right. we're just listening to it and it sounds like such
0: a fun project. And you guys sound, it sounds great. That's, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. I mean, um, basically, Big Plans is three planners that have been friends for a long time. Oh, now so, I'm starting to my, get it. Right. It's like me and then Dave Siegel, who is like president of the National Planning Association. Joe Dills, that is like Moses around here for planners. He's been, and then uh, Don White, who works at the airport in Salem, is a drummer. He's great. And so we got together. I mean, Dave and I started playing. I, I started playing bass again in I think 2006 or so and got a stand-up. And Dave and I started practicing and then Joe joined. And we've been doing this for a while and it's become just a huge amount of fun. And we started playing We used to, <laughs> maybe twice a year and now we had to cut it off at once a month. So we play once a month and we practice. and Yeah. You know, it's kind of a bunch of guys playing along. That's so cool. And we play uh, kind of the music we like that's interesting. We don't want to play, you know, um, a Lord cover or something like that. that everybody's playing. <laughs> or even the Beatles cover. We don't do any Beatles. But we play unusual stuff from the past. We're a cover band, but we find unusual yeah. stuff. Yeah, like
1: making your own. And that's all like any – all the bands that, you know – Name all of them. The big, mm-hmm. the top ten. Everybody always started as a, um, as like a cover band or taking traditional songs and making right. them their own. And that's and just the best it. about music. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's true. You look at the Beatles or the Stones. You know, they were all totally covering R and B. Yeah, rhythm and blues.
1: Yeah. How's the drummer? I'm always so t- uh, <laughs> technical of drummers.
0: <laughs> so Don is amazing. And the other thing is, we have a relationship. We have the drummer Bassman relationship. Yeah. That's really tight. And so we hook up. I play to his kick drum, you know. And I I don't stray away from that very much. I think a good bass player is repetitive. It's like I saw uh, James Brown in that movie, you know, it was the guy playing it. He bass always got to be the same. Always got to be alike. Come back right where they are. They know what's going to happen, you know. <laughs> was that saying, the bass is... You listen to James Brown, and their bass lines are amazing. Yeah. But they always, they're always always repetitive. And then I hook up with the kick drum, and then uh, Flea had a great YouTube about what a bass player is supposed to be. And it's like, and Flea is such a showman, you know? Yeah. And he's saying, no, the most important thing, I provide the bottom. I make everybody else look good. And, yeah. you know, I'm listening. The best thing you can do as a bass player is listen to what else is happening. Even though you're playing a repetitive line, you... You modify it to help them out.
1: Yeah, and if you're looking, if you're reverse engineering that kind of musical structure, the bass still has so much freedom in there, right? You know, by being the by being that locked in, you know, being a drummer myself, I'm always like the bass and the drums. Right. That's the
0: thing I like about Don is that we also have a relationship. We just look at each other, and we hook up on on the kick drum. Yeah. And play together. It's a lot of fun.
1: It's a nice relationship. My younger brother was. Uh, I started off playing guitar, and he got a bass, and <laughs> we sat down. You know, we were still. You know, I was sixteen, he was twelve. You know, in that age range, and we tried playing songs, and, and like it only took one or two nights of trying to play, and he was like, "You got, you got to get a drum set." <laughs> That's great. Was like you, That's we, great. guitar and bass is too. We need drums.
0: You I know? know. Drums are, I mean, the rhythm section is really important.
1: Yeah. And to have, like, I hear, because I keep hearing you repeat that relationship stuff. And that was huge. Yeah. Having a, uh, you know, not like, not only
0: just a friend, but your blood brother. Well, that's the interesting thing about a band. My bandmates are like my closest friends. But when we see each other just basically in the band, but if we didn't have the band, we wouldn't have a friendship. We'd have a friendship, but yeah. we wouldn't be tight. But it's like when you're when you're playing with a band, you know, even if it's you're not playing out, you have kind of it develops a relationship between the musicians that's not verbal. Yeah, that's really cool.
1: Have you got a chance to watch the uh, Netflix Grateful Dead special? Was it Netflix? No, Amazon. Amazon. No. Amazon. I it's, what's it called again? Do we remember? Long exchange trip, or mm-hmm. I are you are you a dead fan at all? Are you not zero? at all? No,
0: yeah. I mean, I am. I like some of their stuff, but I'm not a huge fan. Right. I like uh, Daryl's house. Oh yeah, Daryl's house on YouTube. Yep. I thought that was amazing. And Daryl Hall and John Oates. I have to say, I grew up. I was a disco guy. Right. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. <laughs> That's the way I met my wife. Is I could disco dance. I had big hair and a shirt with a shiny shirt with long pointy collars and bell oh, bombs so that go. that was a thing going yeah anyway um daryl being back in there those amazing musicians they played with him for i read up on it for 25 30 years yeah and he brings in all these amazing yeah. older people and younger and guys younger
1: people that just kill it yeah He yeah.
0: played with fits in the tantrums and they did Sarah smile that was one of the best songs i've ever heard Cielo green he's that green that was awesome <laughs> that was amazing you're right yeah
1: Yeah, even if you're not a dead fan or deadhead, um, I really enjoy that style of music. It's just like really exploratory, you know. It's like it's like folky jazz. It's so it's everything. But Phil Lesh, you know, he's an iconic bass player, right? And this is sort of like a new recap of they bring archive all these videos and what they're doing and how it started and and how they were just like the the spirit of it is what really got me. And then Mm -hmm. listening to Phil Lesh talk about how he was a composer and doing scores for wow orchestra scores and doing these super complicated things and met those guys and he was like, This is it. <laughs> this is what I want to yeah, do. He's like, I'm just gonna rip it up. <laughs> That's right. And Give me a just, one three five and right, I'm good. He just sat there in the pocket and he's like, I've never been happier. You
0: know? I know it is true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, you kinda lose yourself a little bit as a bass player or a drummer, I think. You have to be a little bit less ego, mm-hmm. a little more just kind of id. yeah Because you gotta have to get into that lock into that groove. Yeah. You can't be thinking about how your solo sounds. I'm uncomfortable doing solos. I don't know if you're a soloist as a drummer. Uh, Every now and then it's fine, you know? Yeah. But I'd rather be back in the pocket.
1: I had a mentor uh, in Southern Oregon when I used to live down in Ashland. Um, and he he's um, this amazing 12-string guitar player, Probably gonna have to cut this out what the fuck was his name <laughs> had a long weekend had a super long weekend you might even know him once i remember his name i lived you know my history in ashland right yeah okay. a little bit not i mean we can go deep into that if you want to
0: that's where i started playing again
1: what is his name is um john 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 you're john his name is i'll think of his name okay when they come back to it all right um He's amazing. He's got a brother that plays bass. But he told me he Well, first he told me I would go to him f- for just just to talk. Yeah. He he taught guitar. Right. I played music and was a drummer and he was like you need to come and see me. And we'd go sit and talk and I was like are you going to show me any guitar or piano stuff? He's like no. <laughs> He's like you shouldn't give up music. You should be you should do stand-up comedy really and i was like Are you that's serious? cool. yeah no he was that's like cool. yeah he's like you have no no music isn't your thing, isn't your thing? i was like what the fuck <laughs> um so he'd always be like you need to get in the stand up i think that's what you need to do have you thought of that yeah but it's like it's almost too scary to do so i got on the podcast maybe you podcasting. could do it like
0: a hobby like you do right. music i mean i do music as a hobby right of. but you get up in front of an audience you do your thing maybe i bet you'd be good you can do weddings a wedding comic? Holy cow. <laughs> like that? ever tell you the time?
1: <laughs> Holy shit. Um, I can't believe I can't remember his name. He's so important part in my life. I'm such so space cadet. Uh, but he was describing drummers, and he was yeah. like, here's my advice. He's like, the drummer is the guy that comes out at the end of the day in the convenience store and he just sweeps up and you have your broom right and you're just like at the end of the night you stay late and you pick up all the shit and you're just sweeping and you're right. cleaning up everything and he's like if you're a great drummer you're going to you clean up everything and that right and that's true sort of explaining so how true. um you pra- cuz you practice with the metronome and we do these metronome things where we just sit there and listen to different times and it was right. such a weird it was so weird to sit there and, and he would click a met, put the metronome on a certain tempo, right. And f- ask me what it was. And he would be like, Don't just guess, don't just throw out a number, try to figure out what this is, you know? Wow. And we would just so, sit there and I would just then I would start telling jokes and be like, I don't fucking know what the tempo <laughs> is. Like, what is it? Just tell me. And he was like, No, this is going nowhere. But he would say like that. The temp driving the tempo is we practice as drummers or as musicians to keep perfect time. Right. But that doesn't exist in music. No, with bands. it doesn't. Little
0: changes. It's that was the thing about listening to Flea. Is little change even though you're playing the same thing, you're making you're listening, the best thing you could do as a bassist is listen. Mm-hmm. And I think drummer too. And you're locking into that right. the flow of the band. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Isn't it great when everybody locks in too and then It's you're amazing, you
0: know, that's the thing about if you play music by yourself, you get a little bit of it. But playing in a band and locking in gives you this um, sensation you can't get any other way. Mm-hmm. It's addictive. I mean, I know people. Bill Lenhart. What? Bill <laughs> Lenhart. It is addictive. You know, <laughs> it's really it's uh, um, something you, It makes it makes all the pain of getting to be a like a decent musician. Yeah. But I think I think I'm a person that thinks anybody can be a musician if they want to. Absolutely. It's not something you're born with. People, That's just bullshit. Um, I think people that that have the desire to do it. Now, some people are really excellent, and that is a gift. But anybody can be a musician. It's like learning to type or learning to read. It's just your basic stuff. And I'm that way. I'm a basic musician. But it's still immensely pleasurable to just do simple little things in music. And those little things you learn along the way are... They're amazing.
1: They make you feel so good when you're, oh, I get it now.
0: Yeah, and you appreciate really excellent people even more because you've tried to do that. Yeah, You see, whoa, (laughs) those guys are really good.
1: Now, these other guys, um,
0: like Dave Siegel, Joe Dills, and uh, is it Dan White? Uh, Don White. Don White. Don White. Um, They played forever. They played since their teens. Right. I'm the newcomer. Do they do other? Are they in other bands now? Or are they? Joe just? Uh, Joe Dills is a famous local harmonica player, and he does play. He has his own band, and he plays with other bands. He fits in for
1: things. Yeah, but, he probably gets asked to rip for. Oh
0: bunch yeah, of I mean he's amazing. He can sit down. comes with a little case, you know. Yeah. And just rips it up. He's he's an amazing guy. And Dave Siegel's been playing in bands since he was a kid. Uh, I see him, and he used to he used to pay semi professionally, and you know tour around have big gigs and stuff but he's amazing he can play rhythm guitar and sings a bunch and Joe sings too plays Joe's the guy that brings the harmonica blues you know the juke and the little walter we do several little walter songs and the nice thing about covering old songs like that no one remembers the original too much you don't <laughs> yeah. have to imitate it you yeah. can just take the song and make it your own yeah and Joe has that he's done arranged several Little Walter songs that are Joe Dill's versions. Harps. And Don has been playing. I mean, he's played in for biker bars. He's played all over, and uh, is a really good rock and roll drummer. He's he's tasteful. That's what I like about him. He's not a big ego. He doesn't want to crash and yeah. burn. He's tasteful, and he just adds something to every song. That's really cool. It seems like what a smart, th- if
1: you're going to get in the music, like a harp is such I a cool know. thing and it's light. You barely have to it. I know. Have I it. have
0: a double bass and, yeah. a, and, a, and a hollow body electric, two amps. I mean, I'm coming in, I need a semi truck. Right. And Joe comes in and he's got his, <laughs> a little, he's got his little harmonic case. But he has a bullet mic and he has a Fender bassman that he plays through, an old oh, yeah. bassman. And that's what little Walter played through. He it's like a bullet mic. It's like a PA, you know, something that you'd have in a high school in 1954. Mm-hmm. And, you know, little Walter just got on it and just blew the hell out of it, like completely maxed every gain out and then sent this overcharged thing through a Fender bassman, and that's the sound everyone wants. Turned it into a saxophone from a instrument that was designed to play German folk songs. <laughs> I mean, it's an umpa. It's an oompa instrument. And then here they're they're bending notes and wailing the blues on it. That's cool. That's like where innovation came.
1: When technology, like nowadays, you have all this technology that sort of imitates that stuff.
0: Right. But back in the day, you really had to explore stuff and be like, no one's going to. I mean, it was a physical thing. Right. That's why I like playing. I mean, I could play, I guess, an electronic keyboard and do the same things I do on a bass. Right. I like plucking a string. Right. And, and the acoustic instruments especially, you know, I like that sensation. You're doing something physical. You feel it You feel it more than the electronic yeah. stuff. That's if what I, I like about the stand-up is you hold it next to you. And the first time I played one, I, I started out on electric bass, and then I had an acoustic bass guitar. And then I got the stand-up, started playing it a lot. You hug it, and you can feel the, the vibrations through your body core. Mm-hmm. That's way really cool. <laughs> and you almost... Um,
1: you feel a lot of, of the deeper notes that that bass bass is so low to the ground. Like I know, those it notes, really if you, is. it's like it's such a feel instrument. With whether you're in rock band or listening to like um, like techno stuff, the, a lot of the time it goes unnoticed because you're just feeling it. Right. So it's like exactly. a, you just it's subliminal to the point where and
0: there's a modern style of bass playing that's real trebly and showy up top of the mix. You know, like Jocko is great. Yeah. But it's kind of like, I never play bass like that. I'm always back in the at the bottom end, just kind of lumping around, making rhythm. Yeah. So you know what? My my daughter married a bass player. No kidding. Yeah. So we have two bass players in the family, Calvin.
1: How's that around Thanksgiving and the holidays?
0: It's great. Cal, yeah. Calvin's a way better musician than I am. He's one of those naturals, can play anything, can do anything.
1: Is he in a band as well? Is no. He, no, he, he used plays?
0: to be. He used to be in an ACDC cover band. <laughs> Which funny. is not where as a really talented bassist. ACDC. If you can play two notes, you can play a bass to ACDC. <laughs> da, 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 da. But I mean, I, I love ACDC. I'm not right, rapping, right, but the bass parts are really simple,
1: right? But then you get it's also you get the best seat in the house. Like if you're right, you know,
0: absolutely.
1: When you're up on stage, there's no worries. You're just facing it. You're just facing everyone right. else. You're not all looking at the same dudes. You're like, oh hey, what's going on, everybody? <laughs>
0: We've played a couple of, of of songs that are really simple, you know, like um, "Hip Shake," and it's kind of like uh, "The Lagrange" by the ZZ Top or "Going Up the Country." It's just a dun yeah. dun 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 dun, and um, that's actually really hard to play. It's the simplest thing. It's like play All right, three so notes. Let's do this thing but you have to hit the rhythm right and mm-hmm. it's, I found it actually challenging. I love those songs, and they're actually pretty popular, and they're the simplest, simplest songs you can play.
1: And you guys have already played a couple shows, I, I noticed. I was looking on your website. How did those shows go? When you're playing just around Portland? Yeah, oh
0: yeah, we just play around Portland. They went really well. You know, the last one we did at Lucky Lab, we loved that place. And it was uh, it was pretty full. A lot of people seemed to enjoy it. We were criticized for playing too loudly. Oh jeez! But, <laughs> but you know, we had a we had this great guitar player, Wit, sit in, and he had his guitar. It was a it was a, tele, a Stratocaster, but he made it sound like George Benson, and he had these like smooth bell like sounds. It was great. Um, but he went out in the audience, listened to us, and said. You know, before we started doing a sound check, said, "Well, we sound pretty good now, but when we get excited, we might be too loud." (laughs) And sure enough, the band got excited and got too loud. (laughs) (laughs) That's the nature of the beast.
1: what you guys do um, like how far out would you need to be booked out if you were going to play like a wedding or something?
0: <laughs> i we'd, we'd make a you guys make an exception for you guys That's awesome. for sure. Um, we're booked, you know, we have once a month, we're through the end of the year, we're playing in uh at Mayor's Irish Pub. We were down there in the winter and had a blast, there's not many people in there, but it was a great audience. People dancing in front of us in a little pub. So July 22nd, we're playing outside. They have an outdoor venue. And so we're going to go down there. That's going to be really fun. Yeah, I think so. It's a really cool little pub. All kinds of people. You'd think Lake Oswego would be like a bunch of people in polo shirts and white shoes. But it isn't. It's really cool. It's a cool vibe. I know what I'm wearing when I go. It's
1: fun because it's such good. It's such good dancing music too. Can we um, let's get you you want another? uh, I'm good. Same thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's such good dancing music, like blues, rhythm and blues. It is. It is. It's It's perfect for. It's
0: predictable. That's the important thing. It was. It was designed to be dancing music, you know, Mm -hmm. which is predictable and repetitive. For some reason, I'm drawn to those <laughs> those <laughs> kinds of songs. The mundane. No. that's <laughs> not mundane. This no, is, not it's tribal, yeah. though. Yeah. You can do this, you know, the,
1: the white guy shuffle to it. Exactly. Yeah. You
0: can. You can do all kinds of things to it.
1: I'm pretty excited. I'm really excited to come see you guys. And then it looks like you had a couple shows after that, too. So once a month, you're booked for the rest of the year. It's pretty It's I on,
0: well, I think through uh, October,
1: November. I like the finding out the background that all the other guys are planners because I saw the name Big Plans. And I big was like, plans. I was like, these guys are going to—they're looking to go on tour. I bet.
0: No. I was no like, I oh was yeah. Like, these guys are setting <laughs> already. It's. to get a going. Joke.
1: Well, it makes sense once yeah. you get it. You're like, oh yeah, Big Plans.
0: There's a uh, there's a famous saying by um, the guy who did the plan of Chicago: make no small plans, make only big plans. So you know, we kind of riffed off something from the three of the four of us in that profession. Yeah. Um, Daniel Burnham is the, you know, the William Shakespeare of planning. So we kind of got off his his quote.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now, what's going on with the planning stuff? I mean, that's been, you, you were saying that some stuff was happening there. And um, you've been doing, when did you start the uh, Freganese Associates?
0: Well, I started planning in Woodburn in 1976, which is a long freaking time. Ago. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Ashland for 13 years that I went to Metro for five and then I started the firm about 20 years ago and we've done work all over the country initially we were doing a lot of regional work um recent years we've settled down to more implementation stuff and we have a lot of work in the northwest we're doing Edmonds we're doing Halsey Street where uh Edgefield is we're doing where we're doing local planning for Rockaway Beach Ashland we're doing some work for them and around here, some in Utah. And then interestingly, we have a whole bunch of work in Texas, like a ton of work. And I don't understand why Texans love us, but they, I mean, we're working in San Antonio, Austin, Fort Worth, uh, now Houston, Denton, Plano. We just finished Irving. All these suburbs around Dallas and San Antonio and Austin, the big urban areas of Texas, they seem to really like. What we do in planning, which is kind of market-friendly planning, you know, which would—they don't have strong zoning there, so we're—we kind of do try to create great neighborhoods, great places, but do it using market forces instead of regulatory forces.
1: Yeah, can you just explain a little bit more, like what goes into it? I'm a little bit on, like I'm unaware of what that means. I mean, I have an well, underst- i have an understanding. I always my own my first question would be like, well, do you? Where the bike paths go,
0: um, where the bike, you know, <laughs> like how many bike well, paths? Well, you think about Kenton up that's here. That's got to be mean, a part of it. Kenton was a, is a great little example. You know, you had this little what four block Main Street next to where the light rail was going, yeah. and so I mean, invested in the infrastructure, the zoning was made right. It kind of like shine the light on it, fix up Paul Bunyan, and then people start coming in, start hanging out, things start taking off. So in a sense, as a planter, you're kind of plowing the ground and making it ready for the seeds to fall in and take off. You don't yeah. usually have the seeds. Sometime you try to get a seed. If nothing's yeah. going to happen, you get a, a plant and you do a, a catalytic project. You know, like Zupan's on in Belmont. Okay. They're not even there anymore, but they started something off that goes way beyond Zoopans in terms of having groceries in urban areas in a mixed-use environment that's walkable. I mean, when they went in there, it was radical. Now it's like you see it everywhere. Right. It is. Yeah. I mean, everyone thinks you're just going to walk up to new seasons. I'm going to walk up to Safeway. I'm going to walk up to, uh, uh, Freddy's. I'm going to be totally comfortable in a bike or pedestrian. There's transit connections. All that stuff didn't happen except by, by, uh, uh, intent. Right. And the planning was part of that. So that's what
1: do you find that Portland is, is almost the wall like pushed up against the walls to where you can everything's been planned out or is there still is there still work going on where things There's, are getting I mean things ingrained? are kinda of
0: planned out in one way, but every time you're successful in one thing in planning, you have another challenge that pops up. So I think in a sense, uh, you know, when we were starting this stuff in the eighties, we were worried about Detroit worried about a place like where you're living or Kenton being abandoned and depopulated and valueless. And so that didn't happen. But on the other hand, it's almost too popular. So it's pushing people out. There's problems of equity. There's problems of affordability. And you want to be able to keep the community here. So there's a whole new set of challenges to address today. And every project, we have to address that, which when I first started, no one was worried about affordable housing. They are worried about buildings being abandoned. Now they're worried about, oh my God, everyone's gonna run in and buy up all these things and we won't have a place to live. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, bigger challenges like music, how things just change and now you gotta adjust to stuff. You're like, where's this
0: going? Right. Yeah, especially. I have to say I'm 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 really enjoying music more than I ever have. There's so many venues. And if you're if you understand the technology and you're selective, you can find anything you want. You can explore stuff you never would have been able to do in the eighties, you know. Yeah, we have the we have like the green
1: zebra seems to be like the new thing here. Like we green zebra is like a little miniature new seasons or miniature. Oh really? Yeah. Have you heard of it? No. I haven't. don't know if there's too many more. There's maybe one or two more.
0: Lloyd Center. Lloyd Center. Well, it's kind of nice to bring food to local areas. I love farmers markets too. Yeah. Yeah. Kenton is a great little town. It is amazing. It's yeah. wonderful. And, you know, Kenton in, I have to say, in 1992, if you would have come to Kenton, you wouldn't have seen the same optimism about the future. Interesting. People are going like, well, what's going to happen? I don't know. Are we going to hang on? And it's turned out really well. I think people, one of the things I love about Portland is the way people appreciate these older neighborhoods that kind of grew up. They didn't go in and tear them down. They just kind of fixed up what was there. And it gives you the sense of character and place that is is really valuable, I think. I mean, you can't replace it. You can't create it from scratch.
1: Yeah. It'd be interesting to
0: watch what happens
1: with Kenton. There's still, you know, on that small little main street, there's still three to four buildings, like really great prime real estate that are empty. Wow. You know, that... Maybe is there I'll any way in. you can talk to somebody to get no, a sushi place No, I'm thinking, I'm,
0: I'm thinking I'm, I should move in, move my office. We're looking for a new place. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just move up to Kenton. That would be awesome. And you're right there on I the, think everybody in the office would be so cool with that. So I'm going to check into that tomorrow. You really should. <laughs> yeah, Kenton is great. It really is. It would be a great place. You know, the thing is, I... For 13 years, I was in downtown Ashland. I worked really hard to fix up the old city hall mm-hmm. and make sure my, my office was right on the plaza for 13 years, watching people come in and go right by Lithia Park. My kids would come through on their bikes and say, hi, you know, you're the center of the town. And Kenton is like that. I mean, you're on the main street there. It's, you're part of the Yeah, city. everybody knows everybody. Everyone knows everybody. You're kind of this small community. It's like this real neighborhood feel.
1: What's the deal with getting over to Vancouver or to Washington? What's do you, you guys don't do bridges or anything. Can you make that happen? Put a tunnel in?
0: No, I think actually, you know, frankly, we need to replace the bridge at some point with a smart bridge, a really one that's well done. I mean, the the one interstate bridge is sitting on uh, Doug fir posts that they pounded into the ground that are from they're hundred and some odd years old. It was built in nineteen twelve. So it's an antique and the one coming back was built in the fifties. And if there's an earthquake, it'll fall over. Okay. So you need to replace that. Right. But um you need to replace it with something that has light rail in it, because that makes so much sense. Oh, it would be amazing. And I think the city of Vancouver's down with it. Clark County, for some reason, there's people there that just would, you know, cut off their leg then have light rail come in and take people that want to ride it. It's not like we're taking people that don't want to ride it We're taking people That want to ride it Into Portland Yeah And they're not Going to drive a car then And it seems to me Make a lot of sense But eventually We'll get over that Yeah But right now We're so divided People are just like Everyone's in their Tribal corner And no one's listening
1: I know. I almost want to like buy a little land on the river and get one of those car ferries and just. I ha- think that would be great. Have a private drive where <laughs> I you're think like that you, would be great. You pay like a tiny little we fee do that, and you just bring. It'll take ten minutes to get. No, back but and I forward.
0: mean, it would be uh, uh, to have a ferry. You know, I grew up. I didn't grow up, but when I first came to Oregon, it was by the Buena Vista ferry. I was a kid from L.A. and Rome and Paris and London, and I went over. The, and the Buena Vista ferry, you go on that holds four cars. It's got a, a gas engine and the thing's hooked by a cable and goes back and forth across the river. I thought it was great. The Canby Ferry is the same way, yeah. although it's electric now. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they It got swept away in the flood. And, man, a ferry. <laughs> across, you couldn't do a cable ferry across <laughs> the Columbia. But something like that might make yeah. some sense as an interim measure. Sooner or later... It'll build up a market, and they'll put in a bridge or something. Oh yeah. Like oh,
1: you can you can start it'll be off done. at like twenty five bucks a car. Like you, make, I know you I'd say, it. Say okay, I need to get there. Yeah, it's like two hours, That's or, right. or get there quicker. Were you a <laughs> uh, a military kid?
0: Was that why you traveled around so much? Or no, my uh, mom was an actress, and my dad was a director. Oh wow. So mom uh, became was pretty famous. She came to Hollywood at twelve. By fifth, by the time she was fifteen, she was under contract. With Howard Hughes, and she had a a fairly uh, significant uh, faith merg she 's pretty famous actually put her name in the Google and all kinds of pictures come up of mommy uh, and then she met Dad, who was uh, the first Latin American director to get a contract with an American uh, studio. He got a contract with mGM and they both made about thirty films around the period from late 40s to into the 70s and uh so i grew up in hollywood and in london and rome paris and new york traveling around
1: i never knew this stuff that this is what i love about doing podcasts and talking to people because you just start off with
0: well (laughs) yeah you
1: just start talking what kind of bass you play what do you yeah what do you like hendrix Mm -hmm. that's really cool how come you never got into acting
0: I did actually. I, I was a, a fairly decent actor in uh, high school, uh, for second parts. I was a character actor. I wasn't lead. And uh, um, you're the bass player of acting. I am the bass player of acting. I mean, I, I, I relate to that. <laughs> and I think planners are the bass player of of the whole architecture thing. We're not architects. We're not you know designing buildings. We're we're putting making sure the architects look good. You know, right. We're the bass players of the urban design. Anyway. Um, I went to cinema art school. I was going to be a director, more like my father than an actor. And uh, I dropped out and hung out for a year in Redondo and Hermosa Beach and then went back in and just was like a general studies and I switched things and got hooked into geography and just liked it a lot. You know, my family grew up, I grew up in Hollywood, so I had to live in L.A. to go do that. And I had a lot of connections. I probably could have done something. But my heart wanted to get me out of LA, and uh, took me to Oregon. That's why I came. I was a LA refugee coming to Oregon in the '70s, and I went to Oregon State in geography, and then ended up in land use planning. It seems like everyone's going there with th- that
1: way now. LA is like the new LA has has turned around so great hotspot. Like everyone's like, we got to go to LA.
0: Well, LA is LA's got a lot of going for it. It has this great climate. It's flat. It has a dense grid. It's got like once they get it going, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be like Paris, you know. It's just kind of distributed. There's no big center. It doesn't need to yeah. be. But it's this great landscape in the LA in the city of LA proper, all the neighborhoods that I grew up in. A lot of them are beautiful. And a little amenity goes a long way. I mean, you take La Brea and you put in street trees and nice sidewalks and put a transit system on La Brea or Crenshaw. And they're going to be great streets. So they got a lot great. of future, immense future. That's really cool. We we go when we go down there. We,
1: we really love it because it's so diverse, and you just go, you can just go straight and just keep going, and it's <laughs> so different. Each little town's different. Exactly. Everything's
0: got its own little unique flavor. Yeah. Everybody is really. They are really nice. I like the beach towns. You know, from Huntington Beach up to uh, Santa Monica. I was born in Santa Monica. That's a cool little town. Yeah, that's big town. <laughs> it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Do you guys do anything with with the uh, free stuff down in, in LA, or you're just post- we
0: have done we did some stuff early on. We did the regional plan for the whole region, the whole Southern California region, and we did a lot of individual work following up to that. We probably haven't done anything down there for six or seven years, but I used to go down there pretty regularly. And you guys are now in London as well, or you're out in UK? We are. We, are. we have a, a kind of a friend in the UK that does work with us, the software we developed that models cities. We converted to pounds and meters, and it works great over there. That's interesting. They have a lot of the same things that Oregon does, but they call it different things. But it's the same kind of thing. It's like baking a cake and they call things different but it tastes the same at the end. They have a green belt, we have an urban growth boundary. They have we have a housing needs analysis, they have a I don't know, I can't remember it's some kind of housing assessment report. Anyway, they do the same stuff, so our software works over there. So we're we're uh, going over there occasionally doing a little work in the London suburbs.
1: And you were saying that you're you were excited that things aren't as big, you're doing st- more concentrated yeah. projects, or like everything's not as large scale? Would that Well, be
0: we're, we're doing cities and smaller. We used to do regions. But I find myself really attracted to the implementation scale. You know, a Main Street or a downtown, that kind of scale. I think that's re- really interesting. Back to music. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about work. <laughs>
1: I like drawing the line though of of bass playing planning it's all the same thing. everything is so interconnected if you look at it, like who individual people are like you look at you're saying before like lead guitarists and they're worried right. about their lead and stuff right, and what they do and how the the kind of dudes they are. We've all had like those friends or those coworkers, you know. Right. You might go to your nine-to-five job, and you have a co-worker who's like the lead singer or the lead guitar player, you know, and then you have like the horn section that's always right. over in the corner. You're like, what are you guys doing? They're
0: right, like, Nothing. right. <laughs> don't <laughs> worry about us. We're fine. We got it. But, you know, there's a part of being a lead guitarist where you have to worry if you're going to hit an A-flat and an F-sharp and exactly that. But, you know, as a bass player, as a drummer, you don't care what the hell they're doing. <laughs> you, you know, know. I, I'm going to give you... Foundation, you know, now entertain me, you right. know, that and was great about having this guitarist. He was doing all that. And I was like, this is great. I know my part. I'm going to listen to you and just kind of play along. Don and I were kind of just like watching him do his thing. Yeah. And you need those guys. Yeah, absolutely. They, they're the ones that they're the sauce. We're the potatoes. The <laughs> like <And a> gravy,
1: <laughs> that food analogy. <laughs> Well, this has been great. Is there anything else you want to talk about while you're here? I mean, it's been it's good
0: to see. You. I can No, I, it's been great. I think um I think it's it's kind of an odd time in in politics. It's just really weird to me. Yeah. That we're in this spot. You know, I went through my life, I couldn't believe Reagan was elected. I couldn't believe George W was elected. Now Trump's elected. It's just it's just weird to see that. But on the other hand, through that evolution from the 80s to now portland has gotten nothing but better and like i'm really glad i'm in the portland of 2017 not the portland of 1980 people might be nostalgic for that this is way better now. yeah this is on a whole other plane and i really think uh the future is great in oregon i'm 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 glad my family's here i'm glad i'm here you know I think the state is going to go in a good direction. I think, for example, with healthcare, you know, we might just take off on our own. It makes sense for the West Coast to go in its own direction, not have to drag Alabama along. If they don't want to go, okay, we tried, but let's just go off on our own.
1: Yeah, sort of like that individuality of what—that's the thing that I find is it's crazy, but it's a really exciting. Like people are now forced—we're forced to do something. right. Exactly, you know,
0: and I think rather than confront maybe go a little bit more more like independent in that the, like the euro Europe has got there's more distinctions I think there should be more distinctions between states. I think the only way we'll to stay together as a country is letting us go off in our different directions because I mean I I work so much in Texas and Louisiana and Oklahoma and Kentucky. I work in really conservative places. I love those people, their towns are great, you know. And there's a way there's obviously a, a culture that unites us, but something that is pulling us apart. And I think maybe a little more independence to go in our own direction would be a good thing for Oregon. We tend to do I mean, we've done really well. We've 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 carved our own direction for a long time. And actually compared to where we came from, we're doing just great. So I'd say more of that. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you came by. It's a wonderful to see you, and wonderful to to see you doing this. I think this is great.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, we enjoy it, and it's it's gonna be fun to have you back on too. Like, what my favorite part is to get you back to you know. Coming up, maybe closer to the show or after the show. That maybe, sounds great. Maybe bring one of the guys or all the dudes. I
0: would love to do that. I mean, Siegel would definitely be here in yeah. a second. In a second. Yeah,
1: get a couple beers and you let you guys all just start. That chiming sounds in. great.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we want to do a live uh, show here. We do that little tiny desk. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Do it all acoustic.
1: I have the drum kit up in the in the attic space upstairs. I'll all just right. bring it down. He he needs. A, uh, Don doesn't even have to bring his drums. He oh, can just, good.
0: Yeah. That's great.
1: Save him, save him the backpack. <laughs> well, John, Freganese, All thank right. you so much for coming on the Puck Fortland podcast. And we can't wait to see you again. All right. Thank you. It was wonderful. Take care. Thank you.
0: Take care.